Welcome, teammakers, to our first podcast episode. My name is Ilian Obergon, president of ACG South Florida. For those who are not familiar with the organization, ACG South Florida is a premier member-based association dedicated to helping middle market M&A professionals build and maintain trusted networks. Our members come from the world of private equity, investment banking, corporate development, as well as M&A advisory. All our lives have changed over the last few months as people around us and around the world have adapted to living in quarantine or shopping online, having Zoom happy hours, and streaming TV more than ever before, if you can believe that. How many of these changes are permanent and how many are just temporary adaptations to endure this pandemic? The motivation behind starting this podcast was to provide our members with a, another source of content that would be relevant to decision makers. If you're a member of ACG and would like to be showcased on our podcast, please drop me a note. Joining me today is Scott Ralph. Our topic will be what he calls revenue rescue. Scott Ralph is a growth leader who has well earned a reputation for driving innovation and leading teams to deliver record setting financial results. Scott holds the record for the fastest revenue growth by a U.S. company, only six years to reach $10 billion in annual revenue at Sprint PCS as the executive leading marketing and product development. Scott has also founded several startup companies in Florida, most notably Zave Networks, which was acquired by Google for almost $100 million. As a consultant, Scott has also made the contributions to park innovation and revenue growth and Fortune 500 companies like Kellogg, Kimberly Clark, Coca-Cola, and TD Bank. Plus, Scott has helped a wide range of middle market companies within the technology, software, and packaged good industries. Recently, Scott has been focusing on what he calls revenue rescue, how a company can quickly plan and execute dramatic revenue growth under challenging market conditions, like a sudden pandemic that shuts down the global economy. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ilya. So Scott, let's start off with what is revenue rescue and what does that term mean? Well, revenue rescue is a term that, that I uh, came upon, I really invented it about three months ago, just at the beginning of the pandemic. I was uh, working with a, a good friend and former colleague of mine who was a top executive at Princess Cruise Lines. And I had been uh, doing work for companies on dramatically growing the revenue. And when I was talking uh, to the gentleman from, from Princess, I realized with all their ships parked and the, and the virus really getting started that they were going to need something that I decided uh, would be best termed revenue rescue. You know, that's when your business is down 25 to 40 percent or more, and you're going to have to fight like crazy just to get back to where you started from. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So tell us about your journey. What experiences can you share that brought you to starting Revenue Rescue? Well, as I spoke with my friend at Princess, I realized that this scenario was being played out over every size of business everywhere in the country, and, and frankly, many other places in the world. And so I took some of the best lessons and tools that I had been using to help companies in a more regular commercial environment, and I started applying them specifically to what a company needed to do when they faced the need for revenue rescue. And so that really got me focused on what exactly are the first steps a company needs to take when they find themselves in this situation. Okay, let's take a step back then. How did, from your journey, you know, what brought you to this point at this time 
And tell us about your previous exit you had with Google. The exit with Google was very interesting. A lot of it uh, followed the path that people talk about all the time. You know, yeah, you have to have a, a really good idea that solves a big problem. In our case, it was a way to make it possible for grocery stores and other big retailers to offer value to their customers in the form of a, an electronic coupon that could replace the Sunday newspaper, which is something I had used in marketing uh, positions in past years. And so we put the idea together. We, you have to find the right investor. I think a, a lot of ACG members will be encouraged by this. You know, we, we brought the idea to some, some really good investors and, and they basically invested $700,000 in, in 2006 based on the two folks that were presenting it and the quality of a PowerPoint presentation. So wow. starting with that $700,000, five years later, we were able to, to work an acquisition deal that was almost $100 million. It was very hard work, but very much the kind of startup and become a mid-market company and then be acquired that, uh, that, that people are trying to make happen all over Florida and around the country. I think it's fascinating. You know, from that experience, what do you think is some of the takeaways of the acquisition from Google? What are some of the things that you've learned through that process that you feel could be utilized now as a consultant, you know, helping other companies? Well, the first thing we had to do was we had to build the idea that, that we had come up with. And one of the things I have found is over the last uh, 10, 15 years, uh, that it is much easier to build something now than it was. And so that really makes it easier and less expensive and faster to start a company, especially in the software space. The second thing is, is the old uh, saying that your number one priority is to get your first customer. And then as soon as you do that, your top priority is to get your second customer to prove that the first one wasn't an accident. And at the time, you know, I made a list of the 25 top companies in America that would use the service, these, these marketing coupons, and, and basically set about getting appointments to pitch every one of them. I, by the time I was done, I pitched 21 of the 25. It sort of refined it to where I could get from where I live in Florida to any city in the U.S., east of the Rocky Mountains, make a pitch and be home by, by midnight. And so selling customers is critical. That's back to the, the, you've got to have revenue to make a business work. And then the, the last piece was in order to get big, especially if you're a startup, it's really important to have some important alliances. And so we were able to get tests up and running with Bank of America, with American Express, and, and we were able to partner with engineers at IBM who makes all the cash registers in large retailers that our system needed to work on. And out of those alliances, came the, the visibility and the scale that we needed to get Google interested. Uh, that's fascinating. You mentioned something that I want to come back to. Why do you think it's easier now to start a company than it was back in 2006? Was it the raising capital? What part of it do you feel is easier now for members to understand? Sure. I'm not sure it's easier to raise capital, but the, the two things that were easier were to build a software platform. Back in 2006, we had to basically create our own server farm and build our system and run it ourselves. Whereas today, you would have run this, the same platform on AWS and it would be much less expensive and, and much of the, of the work we had to do is already been done by AWS and it's offered as a service. So it's cost effective. Uh, the, uh, the second thing is, 
when we started, we used engineers in several places across the United States where we had folks that we knew or that we hired to work for us. And so we ran our, our development team in a virtual state. Well, today, everybody does that. In fact, in, in the virus environment, people are even more virtual than they've ever been before. Well, back in 2006, it was unusual to do it that way, whereas today, everybody is ready to work remotely and, and the whole gig economy is, has really matured a lot. Okay, understood. No, that's great. Uh, I appreciate giving that that sort of response. I, given the current pandemic, the reason why I asked was, what are some of the examples you can show value to clients who are thinking about, you know, utilizing revenue rescue, who are currently in a situation that's unfavorable? Well, I think that some of the things that have happened because of the, of the virus will, will be a very positive factors. Uh, I think employees being able to work effectively from anywhere at home or out of the office is going to be terrific. I think anything that is online versus bricks and mortar is going to get a boost in growth. Probably in coming out of this situation, things will have jumped ahead by what would have otherwise taken three to five years. You know, we saw the NASDAQ hit a new record yesterday, and that's largely because these tech companies are now being seen as, as likely growing faster than they were thought to be growing, given coming out of the virus. Um, however, I think the real challenge now is all businesses' customers have changed. First of all, they've been dormant to some degree, and second, their needs have now changed by a little bit or probably by a lot. And so reestablishing those customer relationships and pivoting to meet whatever new needs the customer has is going to be the, the urgent and difficult thing. Agreed. Scott, given the current environment, you're starting to see companies like WeWork, JCPenney, and even Marcus, who have now filed for Chapter 11. Do you think this has to do with the pandemic? Do you think it was something that was done prior? What do you think Revenue Rescue would have done differently and potentially to salvage these companies? Well, all three of those companies, I think, from a financial standpoint, have a huge real estate plays. Mm-hmm. And... I think that the kinds of changes that have taken place are pushing people to not go to a bricks and mortar location to shop as much and not go to a bricks and mortar location to work. And so I, I think they're dealing with a fundamental shift that is bigger than anybody imagined. And of course, real estate is not a liquid asset. So it's very hard to maneuver a portfolio if it's, if it's heavily based on, on real estate. The kinds of companies I think that can move quickly to to implement their revenue rescue really need to start with first they have, they have to they have to realize the, the the magnitude of the problem and they have to take action. They need to bring together whatever part of their team can solve the problem, and they need to give them the authority to make fast changes. And, and second, everybody's budget is going to be impacted, so everything needs to be done in the context of there will be fewer resources in the second half of the year than there were before this started. And so things need to be very effective and be able to operate at a lower budget. And then the the third piece is you've got to change your product or your service to match the new needs. And in the examples you gave, it's very difficult to pivot if you're pennies to trying to dramatically increase your online revenue because there are so many people that are better at online shopping than you are. And it's very difficult to pivot to either smaller stores or fewer stores now that you have fewer foot traffic customers because 
of all the leases and, and real estate holdings that you have. So, so they're in a really tough spot. Hopefully most of the folks that are working the middle market here in Florida will be in a business that can be maneuvered a little bit uh, more quickly. Okay. Based on that question, what are some of the common mistakes you're seeing businesses do today? I think the most common mistake is to take a position of, I don't really know what's going to happen. None of us do. And decide that the best thing to do is just sort of wait and watch until things become clear. And then I can make a decision on the kind of timing that I normally make it on. And sadly, that is going to produce a situation where you're behind the competition and you will probably not be able to make the changes as fast as as needed to recover your revenue. And so I think it's especially important that people act immediately. It's difficult to do that because perhaps you and your workforce and your teams are still at home or in some sort of reduced operational status, but somehow you need to begin that planning now in spite of the situation that makes it harder for the team to work because the clock is ticking. Your revenue needs to be rescued. Right. And you and I spoke of this before we got on the uh, podcast. And one of the things that we had discussed was going back to work. Things like employee safety, customer safety, what to do. What do you think companies need to do to protect employees who are going to go back to the office, go back to the workforce? And would this change the way companies do business going forward? Well, I I think you put your finger on exactly what the first priority is. You have to protect your employees because it's the right thing to do. And also, they can't work effectively if they don't feel safe. And I think most of the things that you can do with your employees um, are already uh, known. You, you obviously can, can allow them to work from home, which is, which, is, which is great if that's possible. If they're customer facing, the standard things that the employees can do, perhaps wear masks or have less physical contact or, or, or physical proximity to, to the customers are all pretty clear. And, and so those, those, those steps are, are the easy ones. Um, understanding what the customer wants um, is a little bit harder for two reasons. Uh, one is you, you've never really had your customer in this state of mind. And the second thing is my perception is that different customers sort of change their mind as they come out of, the, of, of their shelter at home at different paces. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are ready to, to go back to things as normal in two weeks. Other people really believe that it's unlikely they're going to feel comfortable for maybe six months. And so everybody's going to face a customer base that has some of that diversity and they need to be sure they can satisfy the needs of, of the very cautious uh, customers as well as the ones that really want to be treated the same as they were three months ago. What should some businesses do to restart and how should they announce customers about relaunching their brand in a post-COVID scenario? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think the most important thing to realize is that your customers need to to hear from you uh, about the fact that you're open and that your services are now available. They need that reminder. It's, It's almost like a grand opening for a business, even for customers that you've had for a long time. So the first thing is you need to actually speak to them via whatever tools you have. You need to tell them what services are available because you may not be offering all your services initially. So it's important to have that clarity. And you need to 
tell them how much you want them to be your customer, all of the nuts and bolts of how you got them to start with. And then the second thing is, ideally, there are things about your service today that are improved versus where you were four months ago related to what the customer wants. So if you have a contactless delivery or special attributes that you've added to the product to make it safer and better for the customer, make sure to tell them that because in their state of mind, they're really looking for those reassurances. And so reach out and give them reasons to feel comfortable with, with restarting the full volume of business with you that you, that you need. That's great. Scott, if I wanted to start a new venture, a new opportunity, how can Revenue Rescue uh, assist me during this process? Well, I, I think the most important thing if, 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 if you're starting a new venture is, is to uh, quickly figure out of the assumptions you were making to start the business in January, which of those assumptions uh, about the business conditions, about your product fit and so forth, um, are the same and which ones have changed. And so since you don't have any revenue, you won't exactly be rescuing it, but you'll be sort of rescuing your plan by making sure that it has been thoroughly adjusted to the new environment. Understood. The, the only thing that um, I was uh, going to mention, which I haven't yet, is, is that for someone who's managing a portfolio of businesses, it's very important for them to encourage each of their portfolio companies to have a revenue rescue plan. ACG is a premier member-based association. Most of our members come from the world of private equity. Given the current pandemic, private equity has been really at the forefront due to the operating companies that they have in their portfolio. What are some of the things that Revenue Rescue could provide as a service? And what do you think the private equity industry should do? Well, I think that for, for anybody that's working with a portfolio of companies, it's very important for them to ask for, in fact, insist on seeing what the revenue rescue plan is for that business. And it doesn't matter whether it's you know some sort of a software company or a dentist's office. Everybody needs to have addressed these issues and have a plan to deal with it in the context of their business. And so anyone managing a portfolio wants to make sure that their companies have done that and done that well. The second thing is, if there's a company that someone is planning to make an investment in, they should really ask to see what is the revenue rescue plan for that business, because that has a lot to do with the likelihood that that business will be successful after you make the investment. Understood. And I think it's, we should highlight what revenue rescues plan is for some of this. You know, can you discuss a little more about the services you're willing to provide to companies within the middle market and also to members? Yes. Uh, uh, the revenue rescue service is something that can it, that can really be uh, move at the pace that, that the business needs to move at, typically 30 to 60 days. And it really starts with some quick evaluation of what that company's strategy is, what their customers are, where their revenue is coming from, and in particular, focusing on anything that would have been changed with the circumstances of the last three months related to their customers, their products, and their employees. And the outside help, generally a, a lot more speed than could be accomplished internally. And also I have the ability to source experts on various topics quickly and effectively to get that expertise built into the plan very efficiently. Great. 
now you mentioned uh, a plan. What does a normal plan look like for Revenue Rescue? Well, I think that the plan is, is really made of, of three key parts. The first is um, a determination of how severe the, the revenue shortfall is. The second is forming the, 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 the right team of people that can both develop the solutions and implement them. This really needs to be, uh, in a middle market company, a, a C-level team in order to, to have the right kind of momentum and authority to get things done. And then third is putting in place very uh, rigorous uh, methods for measuring results because the plan needs to both feel like it's the right plan and it needs to perform against the objectives that are set for it. That's great, Scott. I appreciate that. It, it's, it highlights kind of what is a good solid foundation for revenue rescue what kind of added benefit would Revenue Rescue provide ACG members? Well, for ACG members, um, what I uh, have, uh, have been doing is providing a free Revenue Rescue assessment for either a, a company or a portfolio of companies and giving them a quick read on what could be done with, with, a, with a full up project. That's fantastic, Scott. We sincerely appreciate that service provided to our members. Scott, I want to touch on something that was stated in your bio, fastest to $10 billion. I need you to explain more and provide, how did you do it? Well, the, the key starting point was that, uh, uh, that Sprint, who was a long distance company at, at that time, you might remember the, the pin drop uh, quality of long distance was, was really their, their, their brand. And they decided they wanted to enter the, the wireless business. So the first thing they did is they bought up Spectrum to cover the whole country. And then they built an entire network to cover the country using a brand new technology called CDMA. So in effect, there was a, an approximately $18 billion capital investment by the, by the parent company. And then the marketing uh, began. And I remember we started with stores in uh, Fresno, California and in Georgia and basically started calling it the national network that it was going to be. And so the, 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 the aggressive launch was very important. The second thing that was very important was the company reached out beyond its employee base to bring in people that were experts at consumer marketing that were not in telecom, because in order to sell the magnitude of this, they really needed some consumer marketing expertise far beyond what they had previously used. And then the third thing is, they pioneered a lot of new technology. We, uh, Sprint was the first uh, company to provide internet access on the phone. They were the first ones to uh, provide phones that had color screens. The vision was, was, was to create something that only today is, is fully developed with smartphones like iPhones and, and Android phones. But it was being done in 1999. And the combination of capital, getting the right team, and then having leadership technology were the three pieces that put it together. Well, that's fascinating. You want our listeners to grasp from this podcast. Well, I think the, the key here is that the revenue rescue battle is, is a battle that a business cannot afford to lose. It is very serious business. I, that, I couldn't have said it any better. And how can members contact you? Uh, they can definitely give me a call or reach out to me on LinkedIn either through in-mail or through a new group that I started called Revenue Rescue. Fantastic. 
And just for our listeners, it is Scott Relf, and his email is scott.relf at infinitegrowthgroup.com. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Scott Rell for joining me today. Scott's contact information will be added to the summary of today's show. Look out for other new podcasts as soon and make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you can never miss an episode. Scott, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.